There's, isn't it the weird things like when you're hangry, the things that will like set you off? One time it was bacon. Like, think Nicole burnt the bacon once. And I was so mad because I was just looking forward to bacon. You guys, anybody else with me? I think I got sent to my room. I started my fast a few days early last week, so I thought she was talking about that night. She was talking about the night this week. So, yeah, I had one of each. <laughs> I'm not a good faster. I'm just not. I need food. I need sleep. And I'm happy. You take either one of those away, I'm not, I'm not as a happy person. So, anybody else relate? Hey, uh, before we move on to some more funny stuff, um, we need to give Matt, my brother, in the camo there, playing piano, a big uh, hand. He's just been very helpful. <laughs> About froze his hands off uh, today, trying to uh, shovel the sidewalks in front for us and do some other things outside and do some things. And then Steve W. in the corner, give him a hand. He uh, was a lifesaver. Our concrete got poured Thursday. Yep, so it's there. It's under all the blankets, curing right now. Uh, so it, it's there. But they started early in the morning, got done, but they needed a lot of help of turning uh, heaters and units off and back on later and just a lot of things. So, Steve, thank you. Thank you for all you've been doing and just pitching in and sacrificing your time. And uh, we even had a leak in the door and people were working on that. And uh, so a lot of things going on right now with the construction. So we're just thankful for each person doing their part. Uh, so thank you. Um, all right. Well, sports, I'm glad that our focus is Jesus and we can taste and see that he's good because sports are over till next fall. There's one sport called March Madness that will happen, and that's like two fun weekends of a sport. The sport itself is March Madness. Um, other than that, uh, we'll see you next fall when football starts back up. There is a summer thing for the cool people that like CrossFit. There's that. Somebody said baseball. That's great to nap to. Dragons are fun to go to. The Reds are always just a letdown. So, um, somebody needs food. All right, let's talk about some fun stuff. So when you do fun things or cool things, you get to see cool things. So today, I'm in my ice bath, and I'm like breaking the ice, and I had to switch from hatchet to sledgehammer to break the ice. And it's, it's a metal container, and as the water splashed on the metal, it just instantly froze. So it brings me back to yesterday. Yesterday, I like to air dry. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get in the ice bath, and I'm going to walk to the chicken coop. I'm going to open the chickens so the girls don't have to do that. So I'm walking out in my swim trunks, and by the time I walk back, um, thankfully to my dad, I have chest hair. And um, I had all these frozen icicles on my chest hair walking back so interesting we've been hosting the Zachary girls which has been a complete honor and it's been fun the Zachary girls are, are here they were at our house all weekend last weekend um, it, it, that's probably it it's more so than the fastest lack of sleep because they've been keeping me up so last night I finally texted them like 1 15 in the morning girls it's it's bedtime okay I wake up early but um so they decided to do some prank calling last night and um so they're doing some prank calling and uh, one of my daughters got very offended and upset uh, because one of the boys they had prank called somewhere down south uh, ended up like changing his voice saying, this is Sheriff Douglas. You know, better stop. So, so one of them gets all upset and comes down, they're going to get arrested or, you know, kind of blew up and, and I'm thankful that she's still fearful of the law. Okay. 
So I ended up having to kind of mediate and referee that a little bit because she was mad at one. And anyway, so then I'm like, you know what? Let's flip the script here. So we called from, uh, we did the unidentifiable number. I kept calling, calling, calling. They wouldn't answer. Finally, Olivia answers. And I was like, this is Deputy Jones from Sheriff Douglas's office. Have you been calling some young boys in Van Cleve? And, uh, you know, like silence, right? And uh, she's like, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, young lady, this, that's, a, that's a third degree misdemeanor. And they're going to press phone harassment charges on you. And then all of a sudden, like, kind of builds up, builds up, click. And then all of a sudden, and Nicole, she tried to talk me out of this. How many men know that your wives carry wisdom? She didn't talk me out of it, just like the mustache, okay? And uh, so I proceed, and, and Chloe's in on this thing, and then before it's over, Olivia's downstairs crying and embarrassed and, and fearful of Deputy Jones and Sheriff Douglas, and uh, so it became a very fun uh, evening at our house till about 1 a.m. last night. So, and then I got hooked on sending these dumb things that my brother sends where, like, it's a picture of somebody and the lips move and sing songs. So then I started doing them, each of them, and sending them in a group text to our family. So anyway, that's the fun. All right, uh, let's move on. If you missed last week, uh, we ended up talking about the vision and, and the theme for this year. And it's out of John 21, and where uh, they're out in the boat fishing. They cast on the other side so much so they could barely bring it in. Uh, Jesus invites them to the shore for a breakfast, and he has a fire ready, and he um, cooks fish and, and bread. Okay? Um, so three words for the year were fire, fire fish, fish, bread. All right? And we'll get deeper into that. But it really got into, uh, by the end of that message, really pressing into building altars and building an altar, preparing an altar for the Lord. And uh, so I, I just did an audible this week and figured I was supposed to follow up on that part of the message and um, not press into the fire, fish, and bread yet. We will. Um, next week, you're going to have Corey speaking. Uh, it's going to be awesome. And uh, focusing on engaging, getting in community, uh, doing life together, uh, a lot of that, and launching the life groups next week. Um, but I figured before that, I would talk once again about a table, so we, we've got a, um, I, Nicole, will you give me that clicker? I've got a picture of the tabernacle. Hopefully you've seen the tabernacle and you know the principle of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. And I find it interesting. And last week I was just pressing into some prayer and uh, the Lord was just had pressed this thing about gathering on the table and hunger. And, and uh, it's funny, last week Nicole stole part of my verses and this week um, uh, somebody did. Taste and see that the Lord's good. Yes, you did. So, so that is, thank you for stealing that. <laughs> Sheriff Douglas will get a hold of you after service, okay? But anyway, um, if we have that picture of the tabernacle, I, I want to show you something because it's this concept of in the Old Testament, there was a high priest that would go on your behalf and, and even to pass the, the curtain on the Day of Atonement to the holiest of holies. And it was this process going from the outer courts into the inner courts. So it would start here, and that is the brazen altar, you would offer your sacrifice. You would, you would burn unto the Lord. And there was, in the, if you read in your Old Testament, uh, you would see all these reasons and these burnt offerings and what they represented. Then you would go cleanse and wash and then move into the inner court, into the, um, the actual temple. And, and in this is a table. It's called the table of showbread. And today's last week's invitation was the altar. Once we build an altar, the Lord has invited you to a table. 
And I want to press into that because I believe that there's something to do with this altar and table. And a lot of it is the yes and amen. It's, it's his promise. It's our process. And there's so many things that we, especially as maybe a charismatic people or, or a hungry people, we're, we're saying, come, Jesus, come, come, Jesus, come. And he's saying, I've already came, like, go, people, go. And there's this process. We're asking for revival, but are we really stepping into it? And these things in our lives and these things into our year and, and all of this stuff. So last week we focused on building an altar, but now he's inviting us to the table. And I believe this is going to open up to what maybe Corey has next week of inviting us to the table that we dine together. And there's a lot that goes on in the table. Um, but this, the table show bread, it's in Leviticus 24 and Exodus 25, 35. And it's this fresh bread. And the, the, the priests would change that uh, weekly. They would come in and they would even go to the holy place and they would go on our behalf. But I want to say that Jesus changed all of that. To yes, I still believe in building altars. I still believe in gathering around a table. But we no longer have to go to a high priest who goes on our behalf to the Father. That we have an all-access pass that now we get to come to Jesus directly. The, the veil was torn when, when Jesus died on the cross. It was torn from heaven to earth, giving us an all-access to all Jesus has to offer. So all are invited to this table. It's no longer just, just the, the high priest or the day of atonement or, or those things. And we don't have to offer rams and goats. And that was the principle and part of the thing on John 21 is that Jesus was inviting them to this fire and he was offering fish and bread. No longer does, do we have to go and, and burn these things in this, this, this way of uh, almost like uh, doing something with our penance to burn it on behalf of our sins or on behalf of our ancestors or, or these sin things, right? Now we just get to offer our heart to Jesus and say, okay, you did it on the cross, forgive me. I acknowledge that, I receive that, I accept that, you are Lord, right? Those are the things. So, so it makes this really easy thing. Let's, let's go to scripture here real quick to kind of finalize this to get into the points. Luke twenty-two fourteen, 14, and then 19 through 20 says this. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. I like that. If you think about that picture, this is the Last Supper. Jesus is having communion with his disciples. They're coming to the table, and then they recline back. They come to a comfortable position. Now they're going to have some intimacy. Now they're going to communicate. Now they're going to have some time of connection together. And then verse 19, it picks up, and he says this, And he took bread, and we had given thanks. He broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. He's having communion. He's having this last supper with the disciples. And he's saying, this, this bread, it represents my body. This is me. I'm about to pay the price. I'm about to go to the cross. And this is going to be for you. I, I, and then it goes on. John 6, 35 says this. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. We'll get back into that in a minute. But, but he says, I am the bread of life. So Jesus is the bread, and the cross became the table that bridges us to the Father in eternity. That, that's the ultimate table. See, sin, we were born into a sinful world. We're born into a world that was separated from God. Not from punishment, but more protection. A lot of times we can get wrapped around the axe, and we can get down these, these trains, especially if you start to focus on Adam and Eve being separated from the garden. That was protection, not punishment. But if we view God only as a judge in some of these dogmatic ways, we're seeing that as punishment, not protection. He's a loving father. He's the creator of the universe. He's the giver of life. 
When we begin to see him in that way, our revelation changes of him being a really amazing God. So, but anyway, he then went to the cross to bring us back to the Father, and the cross became the bridge or the table that connects us back to the Father. Now, I want to just talk on table for a second here. See, God is not calling us to a TV dinner. He's not calling us to a TV tray. He's calling us to a table. He's invited us to a table. See, there's a lot of uh, differences. See, a TV dinner or a TV tray, we're there by ourselves. There's other things going on. A table, we're called to dine with him. He is the centerpiece. He's the focus. There's no distraction of, of, of the Bengals losing most of the time. I'm just kidding. Me as a Browns fan, this one year can say things like that. One time. I'm sure it'll flip when Burrow comes back next year. But anyway, the funny thing is this. Like, there's that distraction, and you're alone, and your focus isn't on your meals to get it down as fast as I can because there's another distraction. See, a TV, a TV tray is different than a table. And God has not invited us to be on TV trays. He's invited us to a table in the presence even of our enemies. We'll get into some of this, but, but here's the thing. It all starts at a table. If you think about it, I, I need um, a big table. I, I can't stand it when Nicole and I go on like a romantic date and they put us at this little tiny table. Anybody else like that? I, I, got, I hate things in my pockets. And I'm like dumping my phone out, taking my keys out. I'm spreading out. And then I like to order a lot of food. I didn't get this way by not liking food. So, so I, I like food and usually there's water and all these things, right? And they'll, they'll put us, we go to this place called RH Rooftop, usually once a year or every other year, just as a fancy date for Christmas shopping. And they got these tables around this fountain, and they're like, they're like this big. And we're sitting in the middle of the room around this little tiny table. I was like, this just, just isn't right. So I made reservations. The next time, please do not put us at the small table in the middle of the room. We didn't go back. We ended up canceling that reservation going elsewhere. But... There, there's something about that, but when Nicole and I were dating, when we were courting, we would have dinner together. We, our, our place, you know, kind of like the song. It was Applebee's. And back then, they had stromboli bread, and it was good. They don't have that anymore. I don't know why. Probably because we quit going there, but it was good. They should have that again. But that's where relationship starts That's where intimacy starts we we every every as much nights as we can during the week we can't say every night but majority of nights we have dinner around a dinner table at our home and we're asking our daughters questions how was your day what was the best thing about your day what was the most challenging thing about your day this is where intimacy is this is where connection is and it is the foundation of relationship if you think about that when you started courting or dating somebody it started around food most often or coffee or a table of some sort because that's where intimacy is. That's where connection is. That's where you talk. That's where you get to know each other. And then, then you would go home, and back in the day, you would be on that corded phone. And you would go, and you'd have that extra long one, and like turn around the corner and try to get privacy from your siblings. You guys have no clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> when we were packing up the old station uh, to, to go to the new fire station in Troy uh, a year and a half ago or so, they had an old rotary phone. And we gave this to a young guy. We're like, here, dial your number. He's like, duh. <laughs> Nine. <laughs> Three. You know, it's, it's a difference. But it's starting those conversations. And that's, that's symbolic of the table. And that's what God's inviting us to. And, and it starts, I want to just say this. That I have four points. First one is God desires hunger. Hungry people gather around the table. 
God is looking for hunger, and God will meet you and quench you where your hunger is. The first one is God, God desires hunger. Jesus is everywhere, and are we hungry enough to go after him, or are we like the recliner version where we're just kicked back and like, you know, it's got to be worth it. If I'm getting up out of this chair or couch or, or whatever, right, it's got to be good enough that it's worth it. I'm telling you, God is worth it. He's, he's worth kick, kicking down the feet and going to the fridge and getting something and tasting and seeing that he's good. A couple other things. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth said this, the secret to spiritual success is hunger. I, I love that. This, the secret to spiritual success is hunger. And um, milk is what you get from someone else. A child gets it from his mother. But meat is what you go and hunt for. Good meals cost something, right? Good meals take a while to prepare. I, for some reason, the enemy has been attacking me. And every time I pull up any type of social media, I'm fasting like the scrolling part, but I'm still getting on for like important things. And food's popping up. <laughs> every time I get on there, it's like this amazing thing. And last week, this, um, I started with pretty intense fast. And, and I'm getting on there, and then I see this guy making smoked ribs. And he had this rack of ribs, and he had this pineapple. And he cuts the pineapple, and he wraps the ribs around the pineapple. He douses honey all over it. And then he puts it in the smoker. You know, he puts the, the sticks in it, puts it in the smoker, brings it out, puts more honey and barbecue sauce on it, wraps it in foil, puts it back in the smoker. My mouth's watering. Even right now, I'm like, I want to make that. That's good food, right? But that takes time. That's hours in a smoker. That's preparation. I'm telling you, God is worth pursuing, and he will meet your hunger. I, I see all this stuff, and I think in our culture today, it's, it's easy. It's give me. It's, it's charge it. It's, it's that minute fix. It's that, all that stuff, right? And it's like God is worth pursuing even when you're not at the moment seeing something. That's true hunger is even when you don't see the results, you still go after it. I give Josh a lot of credit. Josh, Josh has this journey, and, and Josh Haas, he, he, he wants to encounter God in the most wild, crazy ways. And sometimes God is not meeting him there yet or in the way that he thinks, and he just keeps pursuing. He keeps being hungry for God in the more. That, that shows, like, like, how hungry is he? How hungry are we? Are we willing to keep going? Are we willing to pursue him? And we can't ride the coattail of somebody else. We'll get their fruit. Listen, God, God delivered manna, and it was fresh manna every day that we go after it. It's, it's fresh. It's new. It's okay to visit the old and honor the old, but he's also calling us to the new and to hunger and thirst for who he is, was, and is to come. Who he was and is and is to come. Like, like we hunger after all of that. There's, there's good things to go visit, and there's good things for that, for that first love to come back. But I'm telling you, I was, I was in prayer this week, and the Lord was showing me some things. And, and I remember, like, as I dialogue with the Lord, I'm like, man, those who hunger only for the old will only reach the ones from the old. If you look at some of these churches, they're stuck in the old ways, and they're only reaching that generation. We, if we hunger for the new, we'll hunger for the next generation. We'll hunger for them to encounter God the way they need it. It's, it's the God of three generations. Not, not one is right. It's all. And it's this thing that we can't get stuck in the old camp and resist the new, but we can't only pursue the new camp and forget it and forsake the old. Amen. The most popular watch sermon of all time last, last year was, was old versus new. Because I think people are hungry in, of the old. Where do I belong? Where, where do I fit in? But then the ones from the new are like, do they even care about moving forward? 
there's this longing that all generations are included in the next move and great awakening of the Lord. And yes, the answer is yes, because you belong. Next point, you belong. Let me, let me finish scriptures on that. 1 Peter 2, 2-3. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. John 6, 35 says it like this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Remember? I just read this. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. We're not hungry for an experience. Don't catch me the wrong way with Josh. We're not hungering for an encounter, an emotion, or a feeling. We are hungry for God himself. He himself is the bread of life. He alone is enough. All right? He, he alone is the feast. I remember Kira's prayer, and, and it touches me. And every time I think about it, and just to see uh, Kira's transformation and how, where the Lord's taken her the last couple of years that I've known her, and to see the fruit in her life, and to see who she's reaching and what she's doing. And, and, and her prayer was this, God, give me your heart. God, I just want your heart. That was the hunger. The hunger was for the Lord's heart. Not this thing, not this change, not this transformation, not this gift, not this whatever, not this blessing or favor. It was, God, give me your heart. We're to hunger for righteousness and right living and walking with Jesus. Matthew 5, 6 says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 1 Corinthians 10, 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake at the table of the Lord and the table of demons. You can't ride the fence. The Bible says, I'll spit you away from my mouth, like vomit, if you're lukewarm. I'd rather you be hot or cold. See, because we're invited to a table, not a bar. We're not just to go for the party. We're not just there for a quick thing and then move on or, or pregame something like no like the dinner and he alone is the main event second thing you belong turn with me to Luke 7 36 you belong at the table I know I share one story often and uh, it's David if you think about David and if you think about when they were finding the next king they went to Jesse's house David was tending the sheep and I'm just going to quickly paraphrase this since I talk about it a lot because it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. David was left out, but God knew different. And he even warned him, don't judge the outside. Man will judge the outside and the appearance. God judges and looks only at the heart. He looks at the inside. He looks at the potential. And, and I'll tell you, many of us in this room would have been ruled out by man. Amen. I would have been ruled out by man. <laughs> my court record alone as a juvenile would have ruled me out from being on this podium. But God... He sees it different. He sees you different. He sees your kids different. <laughs> Man, they're not forsaken. They might be tending some sheep. They might even be in the hog pen as a prodigal right now, but they're coming home, and they belong to him. And they belong. They are called to this table. So there's a story that just really came alive to me this week and, and uh, as I was just pressing into this. And for some reason, I love this story. And it's a picture of who Jesus is. And it's... Um, it's about this woman, so let's just read it. Luke seven thirty six. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Many would speculate, and theologians would say, this would be probably her entire life savings. 
Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Is that hunger? That's hunger. It's weird for us, but it's hunger because we'll get into the context here. When the Pharisee who had invited saw this, he said to himself, if this, he said to himself, his thought was, if this man were a prophet, he would know that the kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner, likely a prostitute. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. <laughs> Jesus answered his thoughts. This man did not say this out loud. He was thinking it. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him the story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one who he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but, he was, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Now, it would have been a custom that there would be some pail or some type of form of honor to wash somebody's feet as they enter, especially some dignitary, somebody of high esteem. It says, you did not greet with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. How many in here have had many sins? I hope every hand goes up. But you belong in the house and you belong at the table. He says this, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Here's a woman that, that understands and has a revelation of who Jesus is. And she can't stop falling at the feet of Jesus and worshiping him. She was so hungry, she followed him went into the home. She, she knew who Jesus was, so she knew she belonged. Let me, let me say that again, or maybe in a different way. When you know who Jesus is, you'll know who you are in him, and you'll know that you belong at the table. If we don't know him, we're not going to love ourselves, and we're not going to understand who we are because he's not in us. But when we have identity in him, all of a sudden, the cares of the world, the rejection of the world doesn't matter because we know he accepts us. It's this thing that gets off a little bit and we start pursuing the wrong things because we've not been pursuing the right thing. And when we know who Jesus is and we know who we are in him, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, thinks, leaves you out. You will not be excluded. You will not be left out. You will not be less than because you know the greatest person, thing, creator of the universe, king of kings, loves you, adores you, accepts you, and calls you at the seat of the table. You belong. Third, you're called a table, you're meant to gather with others. Um, I think Corey will probably elaborate on this in some fashion next week. You are meant to gather on a table with others. It's lonely, and, and we've all seen that. 
If we see an elderly man dining by himself, we'll, we'll either offer to pay for his meal or invite him to our table, something. We see that. Oftentimes it's a widow or something, and you see that. And how, how, how hard is that to see, right? You're there with your family, and somebody's eating by themselves. You are not meant and called to just eat by yourself. You're not meant to be at a table alone. And here you have a, a, a family called a bride that, listen, let me go back to that thing about table. We're supposed to be intimate with God. He calls us a bride, not a fiance. The difference is that one has commitment and covenant and one is beautiful and one is long-term and, and there's all these things. We're not a girlfriend. We're not a fiance. We're fully committed in the covenant of the blood called a bride. And we're meant to be beautiful. So we're not, it's not a TV tray. It's not a, it's not a quick fix. It's not friends with benefits. <laughs> no, it's the real deal. And it's a covenant. And we make it unto the Lord. And he's made it to us, right? So, so when we gather around a table, it's supposed to be with others. It's supposed to be intimate. And let me just remind everybody in this room, intimacy is not sex. Intimacy is the heart connection that if you're married, then can get to sex. <laughs> if the connection's there, it, it's PG-13. God created sex. It's good. It's meant for between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. Just be very clear here in upper room about that. So, but here's the deal. We, when, that, when the intimacy and the connection of the hearts, the other benefits are better. It's not friends with benefits. It's this thing to where we have a heart connection and we get that at a table. I love when I get to be in a long car ride with my kids alone or take them on a date or every Friday I take turns and rotate who I take to breakfast and take them to school. It's my day off. And I, I pick one. We usually, by the time the next Friday comes, because sometimes there's interruptions, I'll, I'll be like, whose turn is it? And then it's this big debate, whose turn it is. Well, I went here. Okay, no, I think I took you last time to this place. And so it's this thing. But we eventually figure it out, and probably all evens out anyway. But I love that. I love saying, what's, go what are you go what's going through in your life? How's your friends? What's, what's going on? We're becoming intimate with one another, and I'm teaching my daughters how a man is to love a woman and how a man is to respect, how a man is to spoil and cover. C can I get into a little bit of a, a, a rabbit trail right now? I can't see the clock, so it, it doesn't matter. There's a glare on it, so I guess you're here with me. I've got the microphone. <clears throat> I've learned a lot about covering through the years of being an idiot of a husband to become a godly husband not that I've arrived but I'm better than I was I used to think covering was control protection all this stuff and it came out as jealousy manipulation that was my version of covering the first few years of our marriage what I've learned is especially now being a dad is a covering that a man can provide is a protection and a preservation to protect and preserve how the Lord created somebody so my job as a husband and a dad is to provide, let's say, the safety blanket or this, this fence, not to th say things won't come in and that, but now I'm there to help navigate through those hard things. But the reality is God created and designed each person with this gifting, with this personality, with this freedom, with this walk with him, with this journey, with, this, with the way they look, the way they act, the way they respond, their introvert, extrovert, all these things, the disc, the, the, you know, all these things, a seven, a two, a three. Whatever it might be, God created everybody to be this unique person. And as men, it's our job to help, help protect to who God created them to be. 
And at times, there's a lion that comes out that when there is a predator trying to attack that, a demon, whatever, a friend calling a name or whatever that might be, our job is, is to, to hold back and protect as much as we can. Now, there's still some darts that might get through. Now we're there to help pick up and brush them off and remind them who God says they are, not who the enemy says they are. It's the same thing with a wife and men, young men in this room, old men in this room. It's our job to protect, preserve, and allow our wives to be free. Not restrained under our control, but to be free the way God created them. I'm only on assignment with the Lord to help him nurture, protect, raise, all that stuff with our, with our, with our ladies. That's it. And, and, or sons. With you men, it's, it could be sons. I don't have that experience. Maybe I'll have son-in-laws I'll get to do that with and whatever. But it, and it's probably different. But what I'm saying is that covering is not manipulation, control, and forbidden things and restraints. It's actually just a blanket. It's a fence. It's, it's this thing where we can, we can help out. All right. Enough of that. That was free. Let's get to point three. Gather with others. Not alone. You're meant to dine with others. Psalms 23, 5. You prepare a table for me in the presence of who? Son of a gun. You mean I got to dine with the people I don't like and the EGRs and the people that are against me, the naysayers? Ha. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. See, when we're close to the Lord, it's overflowing, and no matter what dagger comes against us, we got the shield of faith. We got the breastplate of righteousness. We got the helmet of salvation. We got, we got the armor of God, so we might as well dine with each other and know that God is going to work it out, and he's going to reveal himself that they too can taste and see that he's good. Quit condemning each other. Quit condemning other people. Quit, quit trying to be God. Like, that, that's his role. We don't have to do it. We get to love people. We get to love them where they're at and see God transform them. We get to love people right where they're at. We get to have fun with them. We get to build relationship with them. And we get to see them say this simple little prayer, God, give me your heart. And then, wow. God creates the guest list, not us. We just get to sit at the table with who he's prepared it for with us. Hebrews 3, 1 through 3 says this. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember, those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Focus on that verse 1 and 2. Let brotherly love continue. Let's love one another. And then we never know as we are hospitable and as we love and as we invite people and just sit at the table with people that we're actually entertaining angels. Maybe revivalists. Maybe business owners who are going to transform the business world for Jesus. Who knows? The next generation of kingdom movers. If we, if we put our restraints and I'm only going to go who I'm comfortable with, I'm going to go who I like or who I can relate to, we're limiting who God may have in store for us. James, walking around with his Michigan hat today. I don't think he's taking that thing off for six weeks. He's here today because Nick and I started up a group. Nick and I started up a group 
18 years ago maybe, 15 years ago. I'm a preacher. I like to exaggerate sometimes. So like 24 years ago or something, Nick and I, we started up this group. And, and he was a corrections officer at the time. I was a line firefighter. And, uh, and we were like, man, maybe first responders and, and corrections workers and law enforcement, we can reach these people. All of a sudden, we start with this group, and for week after week after week, no one came. There was nobody. It was me and Nick. And then another guy, Aaron, came. And then we started just praying. We would go, and there was a stage at our old building, and we'd just gather. There were stools there. We'd just pray. All right, no one else is here. Let's just pray. And then all of a sudden, people started coming. Was it firefighters? No. Was it law enforcement? No. It was the most... uh, colorful people you could ever imagine it was the biggest drug dealer in miami county who was facing charges it was somebody who just got a dui it was somebody who was arrested for aggravated uh whatever and when these people just started coming and we just kept loving on them and before we knew it we had 30 35 men in our group every week that were transformed knowing jesus and those convicts became our best friends After one got sentenced, Nick and I every month would go visit the one in prison all over the state at times. And these guys became my best friends. They they were my home. They were helping me. A couple of them became uh, helpers to me when I had a lawn care company. And they literally were my best friends. Nevada became my best friend. Because we just opened the door and we let whoever God wanted to come in, come in. We weren't afraid of who God was going to bring there. It was not at all what we thought. But we were open to it. And I'm telling you, it changed my life. It changed how I looked at people. It changed how I relate to people. It changed how I see humanity. And it changed how I see the faith in God and how he can transform somebody, the most unlikely. Man, if we gather on the table with that perspective and heaven's eyes and God's eyes and see from his perspective, it changes everything. And we just might be surprised who he has on the guest list at our table. All right, last point. We get to gather around the table around Jesus. It's his table. He is the table. We're meant to gather around him. He's the centerpiece. He's the bread of life. Let me read this few scriptures. Uh, Ushers, can we pass out communion? Sorry, audible. Psalms 34, 8 says this. You've heard it already today. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that he's good. Our hunger will bring us to a God who is faithful, who is just, who is good, who is loving, who is powerful, who is creative, who is fun. (laughs) God is fun, guys. God is not serious all the time and waiting just to bring down the gavel because he hates humanity and he wants to judge and send people to hell. That's not a good father. He is a good father. He's closer than a brother. He is a friend, and he's wanting to welcome us into eternity by the masses. And we get to play a role in that, so we get to taste and see that he's good. He's a miracle worker. He raises the dead to life. He heals blind eyes, deaf ears. He gathers the most unlikely people at a table of, of, of the disciples. You look at those jacked up people. Look at those, those teenage boys that he gathered. Tax collectors, the misfits, the people that everybody doubted, the people that would even mess with the Pharisees because they were so unlikely to have any authority or do anything good. And the Pharisees are like getting mad at Jesus because he's meeting with these down and outers. He didn't see zeros. He saw heroes, though. And I think that's how he sees us. Like, he doesn't see what the world sees in us. He doesn't see the junk that we want to focus on in ourselves. He sees the potential. 
Let me, I'll thank you, and I'll take that if you're done with it. You done with it? When you're done with it, I'll take it. I tried to find a loaf of bread in this church, and I couldn't find one. So it's kind of weird having an empty table when he's the bread of life. There we go. I'll take one more of those. Thank you. I just felt like we would just put communion there. Can I have one more? I do some of the weirdest stuff. I'm not going to lie. Can I have one? Um, sometimes if I'm traveling for work or whatever and I'm dining alone, I'll like order an extra water and just act like I'm having lunch or dinner with Jesus. So I put two in there. Like you belong at the table with him. Okay. Um, Luke 22:30, and I, I, I am closing. That you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom. Listen, maybe you feel like the woman that's got all this sin. And, or let me say this. Maybe the Pharisees are trying to convince you the way they see her. Because she didn't see herself that way. She felt she was worthy to wash Jesus' feet with her hair and cry and weep at his feet and use her expensive perfume and her savings, maybe from unrighteous things, but pouring it out on Jesus. And let me just say this. It was a life-changing day for her. She came to the feet of Jesus, and he, she was left transformed, forgiven, and went in peace. When we hunger and thirst for Jesus and we come to him, we taste and see that he's good and we get to leave a different way than we came in and we get to leave from a different perspective than what people see us. Doesn't matter how people see you anyway because God's looking at the heart. No, we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness. <laughs> so keep that in mind. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17 says this. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And we break bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Man, you belong. We get to hunger for him. You belong. You're meant to gather at that table with others in unity around his table because he's the bread of life. His body joins us together I love what Josh said last week. I actually learned something in communion last week. I don't know if you caught that. About the little bit he talked about examining yourself. And he was talking about offenses and unforgiveness. That we are meant, his body brings us together in unity. And, and when we do communion, we're, we're brought together in unity in him. And we get to see the body the way he sees the body because we're joined through him. So he's saying, as you examine yourself, if you have an ought or an unforgiveness or an issue with anybody, you shouldn't do communion because it's going to prevent you from being totally brought into unity of the communion of his bread and body. Does that, does that make sense? I captured that last week. I don't know if anybody else caught that. I was like, whoa, that's amazing. I was raised to think, examine yourself. If you're in sin, if you're within a sinful way, then you shouldn't do communion. The reality was it was actually pivoted to say, actually, you examine yourself wholly, like in wholeness, and really focusing on, do I have an issue with somebody? Is there something in my heart preventing me to be in unity with anybody? But communion brings us together in unity around Jesus at his table, and it's a beautiful thing. So I thought we'd end service this way. But I thought we'd give ourselves just a minute to examine ourselves in all those ways. Just...
man, he was broken so we could be whole. This is literally not just to examine yourself, but to receive the free gift of forgiveness right now. The free gift of being invited to his table, being cleansed from all wrong, all mistakes, all sin, being cleansed and being made whole. He's the bread of life. So why don't you take that bread? And I'm gonna give you a moment. Maybe this is a time of repentance. Maybe it's a time of setting your table or sitting at the table that you didn't think you belonged at. Maybe in your mind's eye. Maybe it is an enemy in your presence. And don't take that so critical. It's not somebody that you might be at war with. It's somebody that you might just have a slight offense with. Don't let that separate you from the fullness of God and his plans for you wholeness that he has for you. So just in your own way, just, just take a moment. addicted to pornography and knowing what another couple's going through and knowing some things that on that journey of maybe that spouse not feeling worth or like like she's enough man went outside of that covenant I began to weep and just pray for that person and then the Lord brought me back to my own marriage when I caused Nicole to feel that way, that she wasn't enough, that she wasn't worthy, that she didn't meet my needs. And I ventured outside of the covenant of our intimacy and romance and all that and went to other things. Man, I, I want to ask you to repent for that. If that's ever been a struggle for you or a lust or anything of pornography or looking at women with lust, let me just say statistically 80 to 90% of you in this room have or are struggling with that. So I'm opening up some vulnerability that you might be able to get real with yourself, real with God, and maybe real with your wife. And young men, knock it off. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. You're building fantasies and perceptions and things in your heart that will affect your marriage. It's not healthy. So, Ladies, on behalf of the men that may have hurt you or done that to you or exposed those things in you and to my wife, I, I did do that. I pulled her over last week. I was like, I'm sorry if I ever, the times I felt made you feel unworthy or that you weren't enough for me. But 
I feel this week that might be for some of the people in here. I know it's nothing the church ever talks about. It's real things that we should be. So man, just in your heart, I don't expect you to do anything out loud or anything public at all right now. But in your heart, if that's been a struggle of yours or something, and maybe later have that moment with your wife or whatever. But man, on behalf of, of men in this room, ladies, we're sorry for making you have self-worth issues or making you not feel valued or wanted or desired or that you weren't enough. body was broken for you to be whole as well and for men to walk in wholeness so when you're ready anybody will you just break that bread and then you can just take it when you're ready in deliverance, that we can walk in freedom because of the price you paid, that we don't have to walk in our past, that we don't have to visit it, that it is forgiven as far as the east is to the west, as far as the bottom of the ocean floor, Jesus. We thank you for, for taking care of that on the cross and being the bridge and the table that connects us to freedom, to walking out our fullness and calling in you, Jesus. We thank you for your body. We thank you that it was bruised for us. We thank you, Jesus. Talk about the blood. Man, the power of the blood. Wow. The blood that cleanses us. The blood that does cover us. The same way that I was talking about men to others is, is the way that Jesus provides that covering for us if we allow it. That we can walk in freedom, that his blood just covers us. It's a shield, it's a protection, it's a power that we get to walk in the freedom and from any entanglement of sin or yokes of bondage. It's the power of the Christ's blood that was paid on Calvary that I get to walk out in identity. Each one of us in here, that the power of his blood, man. It's what connects us to covenant to invite us to a table. It's what joins us, black, white, Democrat, Republican, Middle Eastern, American. His blood unites us in a way that it doesn't matter what belief system you had, whether you raise Muslim, whether you're in a lifestyle thing or whatever, that it connects us and redeems us and reconciles us back to the Father. And it alone is enough to bring us to a table of reconciliation, of freedom, and of goodness in Him. It is the unity that brings us together to only focus on him and him being the center of all things. And it's the gospel of his goodness. The blood alone is, is cleansing. The blood alone connects us and the blood alone covers us. Just, in a moment, just for a moment, just thank God for his blood.
thank you for your blood. We thank you for the blood that was shed for each of us. We thank you for the symbolism of this. We thank you for the power. We thank you for the redemption, for the grace and the mercy. Lord, we thank you. You're so good. We thank you for this time and this season of 21 days just pursuing you, being hungry for you, and wanting more of you, Jesus. We thank you for the blood that connects us all. When you're ready, you can take the blood. Thank you, Jesus. desires hunger. Two, you belong at the table. Three, you were created to gather with others. And four, you're to gather around Jesus. He is the centerpiece and he is the bread of life. Would you stand with me? Let me pray for you before you go enjoy no good sports on TV today. pretty miserable in life if I didn't have Jesus because I do love some of those things but those things always let you down all the Browns fans can relate the Ohio State fans this year can relate those things let you down the new stuff lets you down the promotion lets you eventually everything settles in right they talk about well the honeymoon's over that's one thing with the Lord it never has to be over it's new man it's fresh man it's fresh bread every day be on this journey and his grace is more than sufficient for anything so lord we thank you for gathering us today we thank you for your goodness we thank you that we can taste and see that you're good god i pray right now for increased hunger in each of us i pray that we will hunger and thirst for you and your righteousness i pray lord that we will taste and see that you're good and you increase our appetite and we want the more in 24 we thank you jesus let us shine a light for you. Let us draw close to you and let us pack out heaven for you and with you. In Jesus' name.